0: been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it. Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, We're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, let's you display that pride, but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreoncom slash Pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast. This is gonna be a Heritage episode, finally. Uh, Heritage Volume Five. Um, this was this was actually Chief Bob Chief Bob's idea. I was supposed to do this uh a couple months ago maybe or like six weeks ago when results came out for eight and nine uh he was just suggested it as a timely topic uh and i wrote (laughs) i completed the outline i wrote everything up and then uh just never got around to recording it because full-time college and sleep hates me and all the things you probably already know um but yeah, I'm uh, I'm finally getting around to recording it. And while it's not like timely for the eight, nine results, it is, I just looked it up to make sure I was, cause you know, I've been out of the loop and uh, it moved around a lot when COVID was going on. But I just looked up that the seven board adjourns here in a few days. Um, so results will be, you know, forthcoming, not too far into the future. So uh, I figured, why not now? And at least I'll be able to help out some chief selects to answer some trivia questions, because it'll come up. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to get into Super Chiefs, um, which is eights and nines, right? Just the history of how they were established, what they're for, um, a little bit of like analysis and opinion from me uh, and f- referencing some like USNI, USNI articles delineating the same kind of stuff. All the references will be in the show notes and uh, in an outline on the website. So if you want to check those out, you can. Um, but, yeah, it's it's. Um, It's something that I I wanted to go into it because it's something I've talked about during Chief Seasons. Like, I've stood, I've I've talked about with the tradition of change, like, I've I've stood in front of groups of Chief Selects and given them the wrong information before a tradition of change was a document, before that research project was done by the Navy History and Heritage Command. All we had was the goat locker and hearsay, um, the goatlocker.org website, which a lot of the content on there is trash. It's just, it's like made up. Um, It's not all garbage, but it's just very haphazard and like no sources or fact checking usually and stuff like that. So um, and that pissed me off. Uh, I, I didn't like that. I was being told like fed a line, you know what I mean? um so i that's one of the reasons amongst others that i got really into doing my own research i was always that guy with like instructions and policy but then when it got into the heritage stuff i just i felt like i'd been lied to and i felt like i'd made a fool of myself as a result uh standing in front of that group of chief selects and telling them that like the history of the charge book uh, which was all it's like fantasy uh, when you actually read a tradition change so Uh, For this, I wanted to share the history of of eights and nines and where they came from and why and all those things and kind of some of the progression that happened along the way and uh, identifying even just the need for a better utilization of Chief Petty Officers in general uh, and getting in all that. And then before I jump in, uh, I I was gonna include this part of it in this episode, but I I did end up being super long. Um, And I'm just gonna split it off into a spin the yarn, but I'm going to uh, put one out. It'll probably be an Initiation Chronicles or something just because that's what's coming up. But um, just somebody asked me once how I can be so critical of the chief's mess and be so proud of being a chief. And if you could see this whole room, right, it'd be a great representation of how proud I am of, of being a chief petty officer, accomplishing that, of the heritage of the organization, all that stuff. It's it's a it's a dichotomy for sure but i'm going to go into that whole analysis and just deliver that narrative uh and and answer the question um and because i think there's a lot of chiefs out there asking themselves the same questions and i think chief selects battle with that right like you spend your whole time being a blue shirt and a lot of time demonizing the chiefs mess and rightly so for a lot of reasons but then there's also this other stuff um, and I want to, I want to get into how you can do both, how it's okay to feel that way and how you can use that energy to do good and be the chief that you always wanted, the chief that your sailors want, the chief that, uh, you believe the organization should be capable of, um, and, and why all those things are actually productive and how to use that energy. Cause a lot of times people just let it eat them up and they get bitter. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go into all that in a separate spin of yarn. So just stay tuned for that. Um, yeah super chiefs right what are they (laughs) where'd they come from Uh, why do you care right so it's all it is there's nothing super about super chiefs it's just some thing somebody came up with that they thought sounded cool uh, right or a lot like right around when they were establishing it I want to say it was like a headline somewhere um, that somebody just made up uh, when they were gonna establish it but all it is is a logical progression right every service has eights and nines right Um, I didn't go into the research on when those were established, but I know they was way before us because when you look into the history of World War II, like my grandfather was at the time the youngest sergeant major in the history of the Marine Corps. Um, And that, you know, it was everyone was dying around him. So they fill they fill those spots uh, like uh, as needed to keep the structure of the organization intact with all the all the battlefield casualties. So um, it's it's not all we did was look at the other services and make the make the logical next step right and why it took us so long i don't know uh but there is some commentary on that it's one of the sources and we're going to get into that too but all it is is a euphemism for senior chiefs and master chiefs uh serving in unique roles in the navy since 1958 uh that's when they started to establish it and uh, like I said, it, I, <laughs> the initial little introductory phrase I have here is like I was going to get into it about uh, timely because of eight and nine results, but um, I didn't do my homework on time. So here we are. Um, but I'll cover the establishment of the history of the super chief, uh, the establishment of a progression of the analysis of how and why uh, they're utilized and an attempt to uh, like positive way forward, like just like kind of my narrative piece at the end. analysis of like how they should be used and why uh so you know april 1st 1893 we all know that it's on hats and stickers all over the place and the navy won't let you forget it because you'll see all the chiefs in their big hats on april fool's day uh doing something uh and that's when it we chiefs were established and it became the the top enlisted rank in the in the navy right um but then we progressed through world war one world war two um and especially after World War II, when we scaled up the size of our force to like answer the needs of that conflict, when it was over, you're left with a tremendous uh, just overflow, just this inventory excess of chief petty officers and nothing to do with them. And there's a really great article in the resources uh, that I highly recommend you checking out. Um, but we had a glut of chiefs and nothing for them to do. Uh, this led to a watering down of their authority and responsibility, but also disillusionment with the organization. And that's what's so cool about that article. Uh, and, and disillusionment with the role in the organization and uh, their role, like, within the Navy in general. Uh, and in the 1948 Proceedings Magazine article titled, The Post-War Chief Petty Officer, A Closer Look, machinist mates chief richard mckenna distilled in uh, distilled it down to two main problems uh though i'll focus on the second one as the primary problem because i just think it's the most important uh and this is a quote from the article it says these may be, he's defining the problem that i'm talking about it says these may be defined as one the subjection to an apparently endless series of transfers meaning they just kept moving these guys around to try to find a place for them and in, in a, in a like gainful employment uh and two the difficulty of obtaining a duty assignment commensurate with training and ability right so they these guys have a ton of training a ton of experience and we're talking like real world like wartime experience like that's very valuable and in a peacetime military it's very rare uh so it's a lot of these people feel like they have a high level of experience and expertise and they're not being used that way because there's nothing for them to do anymore we don't have that giant demand of world war ii anymore um so due to the top heavy over manning uh and, and some other issues that's uh, but that's one of the main reasons they decided hey uh what can we do with these guys maybe we maybe we read the room maybe we find some parity in the other organizations and we're just like oh like use the analogy they have eights and nines right well let's do that in the navy um so that it kind of led uh to, it's just the evolution of our understanding of enlisted leadership uh as the other branches already had senior ncos uh in this in the same ranks so we're like all right let's do that so uh creation again 1958 so the pay grades of e8 e9 senior chief and master chief were created effective june 1st 1958 under a 1958 amendment to the career compensation act of 1949 which is just um like a military compensation uh law policy whatever um Eligibility for promotion to E8, the senior chief level, was restricted to chief's permanent appointment with a minimum of four years in grade and total of 10 years of service uh, for elevation from E7 to master chief because that happened. Right. They were pulling from the chief's ranks to make eights and nine. So some people skip the skipped a step. Uh, and if, if anybody knows any of these people just off chance, I would love to talk to them. That'd be so fun. Um, hit me up. <laughs> uh so that for elevation from E7, so from the chief level all the way to Master Chief, E9, a minimum of six years of service as a chief petty officer with a total of 13 years of service was required. And, and by today's standards, that's pretty young in the service. But uh, and, and they're also saying a minimum of right. That's just qualifies you. And then from that pool, they selected the candidates kind of like we do today. Um the e5 through e9 levels included all rates except teleman and printer which at the time were being phased out of the naval rating structure people holding these ratings were absorbed or converted to yeoman or radioman from teleman 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 i I, I don't know if i'm pronouncing that accurately Uh, and primarily to lithographer from printer uh, service-wide examinations for outstanding chiefs were held on August 5th, 1958, with the first promotions becoming effective on November 16th, 1958. A few months later, second group of chiefs from uh, the February 1959 examinations were elevated to E8 and E9 effective on May 16th 1959 the names of the first two groups of selectees are listed in the bureau of naval personnel notices 1430 of October 17th 1958 and May 20th 1959 it is noted that after May 1959 elevations uh from or elevations and promotions to e9 were through senior chief only so that after may 1959 there was no skipping the the e8 level uh also interestingly they were taking exams for the all these levels which i think we should bring back Um, (laughs) that's not going to be a popular statement but i just think uh and it all i guess it i think we should bring it back if we're going to stick to our guns and say that chiefs are the subject matter expert i guess Um, i also think it would be very valuable, it, even if we redefine that, uh, because and I think we should, because you, you no matter where you are, you start leaning towards institutional expertise no matter what. Um, even when I was like the SDL of the schoolhouse, right? I used to SDL of CSA school, uh, I was still instructing, I was still uh, very much in rate, but. The vast majority of my time was spent on personnel issues, evals, awards, that kind of like the very much the institutional stuff. Uh, not that I didn't have my hands in the other stuff, too, but it wasn't the, the lion's share of my uh, duties and responsibilities. It just wasn't. I, ha- I had people for that. So I think there's a redefinition of the actual jobs that needs to happen. Um, and I'm going to talk about that a little later, about how it's, that's not even real. Like I went looking for it and there <laughs> there's no... Uh, Outside of a, a really bad bulleted list, shout out to Ariana for finding that. Um, Ariana, sorry, I, I just gooned that up. But the, the occupational standards, it's like a bulleted list. And it's a bunch of stuff that while it's like, like okay, I mean, it's really a document intended for probably for like the development of rating guides maybe, or even like the development of like enlisted career paths or some other type of criteria for selection or progression or qualification or whatever. But it's not a a job description. It's not, there's not a document that that I'm aware of. Again, I'm standing by to be wrong if somebody knows where it is or can find me anything that is like a a real source document for the duties and responsibilities of a chief petty officer. Because we got into this whole thing about the chief's creed, um, which, I might I'll probably share it at the end. I, I wrote a rough draft of a revision of the Chiefs Creed. I don't think it's gonna go anywhere. I've got already gotten a little feedback saying, no, we don't need to change it. I'm like, yeah, you do, but whatever. Um, but uh <laughs> I'll read it to you guys at the end just for funsies. But uh yeah, it's it's there is no real definition of the role. So uh if we're gonna continue to treat senior chiefs and mass chiefs increasingly like institutional experts, I think that an exam reflecting that would be really great, especially and like before everybody gets up in arms and I'm talking to the cookie wearing people out there. If you've ever talked to, <laughs> to a command senior chief or master chief or even like an SEL or I uh, got on, on large platforms, probably a department chief. They want to blow their brains out during eval season because the quality of the product that's given to them is horrific almost always and it's not like there's anomalies right like um my old cob used to call me a secretary because i was really good at admin like there's people like me out there and i the only reason i was like that is because i i happened upon a really good chief that was really good at writing evals and he he trained me when i was an e5 but it's like largely there's a lot of institutional expertise stuff that is just like we're supposed to know, but like a lot of chiefs, let me let me tell you, a lot of chiefs don't have that aptitude, um, because uh, by no fault of their own. Again, there should be schools for this stuff, or correspondence courses, or whatever, like some kind of a mechanism. But there should also be a measurement, right? And and there's some psychology behind that, and I'll get into that in a foundations episode about like why testing actually enhances your ability to recall things, but that's another topic for another time but anyway i like the exams thing it Was a little bit of a tangent uh I, I i think it's a good idea i think the way army does selection board that's for promotion too like locally like just the command doing it kind of like you do a sailor quarter board but hopefully you know better um anyway so uh yeah exams were, were required for these promotions which i thought was kind of cool uh so on july 1st 1965 compression of several ratings at the two top grades was enforced. Six new rating titles were created. Master Chief Steam Propulsionman, Master Chief Aircraft Maintenanceman, Master Chief Avionics Technician, Master Chief Precision Instrumentman, Master Chief Constructionman, and Master Chief Equipmentman. Um, and you, I, I think you you see this in one of the aviation communities, and, and it might be elsewhere too. I think it's like AZ or something like that. Don't quote me on that, or AV or something. But like where some some aviation ratings that are all kind of in the same orbit shout out to aviation i'm just saying this shirt will be live very soon um (laughs) taste the rainbow uh it's the they merge them at the top because there's just not a need again i'm not an aviation expert but from my understanding it's it's kind of like when you get to the top level you're a maintenance master chief or you go the cmc route um that's all i'm aware of if there's another role i'm sorry aviation i'm not an aviation guy i just love this shirt, but. and I, lo- I love everybody. I'm trying to represent everybody, give you something you can wear. Um, shameless plug for Don't Crop Apparel, deaconsapparel.com. Go get yourself some Native Pride and Hairs gear that actually are in public. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, it's it's it makes a lot of sense when it, they're, they're kind of uh, organizing those mergers just for common sense, like if there's only one role at the top, why would we have different ratings going to the master chief level and then we run into the same problem that led to the establishment of senior chief and master chief where we got nowhere to put them they like it doesn't make any sense so they merge them into their own ratings uh and that way they limit the quotas too so that they don't get that glut of extra master chiefs floating around at the top um so conversely about four years later on february 15th 1969 um some expansion at the senior mass chief grades eliminated master chief steam propulsion men expanded rates included uh master and senior chief torpedo man's mate uh quartermaster and storekeeper which are you know are not uh, storekeepers are logistics specialists nowadays um and then torpedo men left and came back but <laughs> my, thank god because the i we all those all the torpedo men on submarines kept wearing torpedo man rating badges even though they were supposed to have machinist mates on. it was it was funny Nobody cared either, like nobody enforced it <laughs> because they should be torpedo men. They were really the only real torpedo in the Navy, but somehow surface sailors got to be torpedo men and submariners didn't. It was real weird. Um, so, yeah, seven ratings were reestablished at the E-8 and E-9 grades, presenting the opportunity for chiefs to, again, advance within their specialty to E-9. The seven effective ratings were signalmen, minemen, air crew survival equipment men, aviation storekeeper, aviation maintenance administration men. Didn't know that was real and boiler technician. Uh, so now getting into the role of super chiefs, and again, like the, this document will be available on the website. Uh, looking at you, chief selects, for all these dates I'm spitting out. If you don't want to have to rewind, you can just download the, the outline to answer all those <laughs> annoying questions you're gonna get from people uh, during the chief season. So the role of Super Chief. So, the second edition of the Chief Petty Officer's Guide, shout out to Paul Kingsbury and the homies at USNI, uh, explains the aftermath of the establishment, which for a time was largely symbolic. Not until the mid 1978 uh, timeframe did Mick Pond Tom Crow convince the Chief of Naval Operations to define the actual roles of senior and Master Chief Petty Officers it says that in the guide I still can't find the document and I talked to Paul about it and I talked to some other CMCs and I just can't get my hands on a document um, I have emailed the Navy uh, Navy history and heritage command before and I didn't get a response again if, if anybody in the audience has any hookups or links they want to send me or whatever uh, to get in contact with these people that would be amazing uh, I need to revisit Navy history and heritage command it's been a while but uh, what they're saying here is like the the promotion of these people to the senior chief and master chief largely symbolic because we didn't take the time to define what their roles would be uh as senior chiefs and mass chiefs which is kind of nuts but it sounds like the bean counters and some admin people were, they were just trying to figure out the billeting and like the where are we going to put all these people how much do we need to downsize the force all this other stuff um and they did that but then they never really delineated what their role was going to be they just gave him a new rank and and pay structure and then said all right go forth and do great things uh at, which is ridiculous but you know so Mick crow uh went to the cno to remedy that apparently they did i just can't find any explanation of what was defined as a role um but chiefs would be expected to be the top technical authorities within the rating this is the continuation of the chief Petty Ups guide second edition uh, cpos would be expected to be the top technical authorities within the rating while senior chiefs would be the senior technical supervisors within a rating and occupational field and master chiefs would provide administrative and managerial leadership on broader navy fleet and force policies and processes which would be incredible i disagree with the next statement this basic construct remains in place today I don't think that's real. I don't think that's the way that they're treated. Uh, And I don't think it's the way that they're utilized. I'm a little biased because the submarine force kind of sucks at this where technical expertise when you get to that level isn't really valued in the same way. Uh, You're just expected to go cob, which is our version of it's command SEL like CMC. Um, And it's to the point where they don't even think you should get promoted to that level without being a cob, which is ridiculous because there are submarine technical fields that only exist on submarines. Um, and we need technical experts at the top level influence, influencing force policy. That sh- that should be real. And it shouldn't be a senior, just a senior chief or a chief. It should be a master chief. Um, we can get into that another time too, if anybody wants to debate it, but, uh, Anyway, I, I disagree that it's the structure we're using today, but again, that might just be my submarine experience. Uh, I, I do think the surface fleet's way better at this. Like I've run into a lot of, like at the selection board especially, I kind of got my eyes open to this a little bit, working with all these CS Master Chiefs and SH uh, Master, or RS, sorry. They're not uh, SHs anymore. RS Master Chief, shout out to my, my boy, Ron. Uh, he's probably listening. <laughs> um, and just all these like surface, community or just outside the submarine community really um ls master chiefs and rs's and cs's and and i got to kind of see that that i think other communities value it a lot more but they also have that luxury because they're so big um but anyway so uh rather than look for increased technical authorities uh or where they could be assigned, where increased technical authorities could be assigned. The Navy expanded advisory positions. Can't find a formal policy document, but think about like they, they, around the same time frame. I think it was in the sixties, I'd have to look it up, but they established like the command SEL position. And it was called uh, different things. I actually have a, I gave one away. The other one's probably hiding out. I, a senior enlisted advisor, uh, is what it used to be called and i have like it looks like the career counselor puck but it's white and it's like the f- original version of a command chief or senior chief or mass chief cookie uh it's really cool it's an interesting little piece of history i gave one uh my last cmc Uh, as a as a going away gift because he's a good dude shout out to gabe uh so with the two new pay grades however there came opportunity the williams board convened in 1959 to study the programs and the new rates recommended the limited duty officer or ldo program be expanded because of a junior officer shortage and the warrant officer program be phased out instead senior and master chief petty officers would take on some of the warrant officer duties the issue again was analyzed in october 1963 by the settle board which found that the expected functional overlapping of the duties of warrant officers and the new senior enlisted grades had not been demonstrated. The phase out of warrants had created a void effectively filled by LDOs and Master Chiefs, a void incompatible with the Navy's needs for uh, more, not fewer, officer technical specialists. Accordingly, the Warrant Officer Program revitalized with a corresponding reduction in the LDO program. Uh, I'm a little confused by this. Um, I need to get into the settle board. And uh, what was the other one? Let's see the Williams board documents, if I can find them Uh, just to understand the analysis, because I agree with what the Williams board was looking at. um, But I don't have the data? I don't know if it's still relevant present day, all that kind of stuff. So I I, I suspect the same thing that like a lot of these master chief, uh, master chiefs could do the divo role stuff. Like you see, you see food service warrants on aircraft carriers being the divo, right? Being the food service officer. Why can't a master chief do that? And then there are like some of my contemporaries, some of my peers will come back with because the instruction says you can't without a waiver from NASA. Blah 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 okay, we can change policy documents. Like everything can be revised and is revised and updated. So like my point being, like I had a junior supply officer on a submarine that had no idea what they were doing until I taught them. So I was effectively the food service officer. So why can't I be the food service officer? I mean, all my evals at my last job said food service officer. So it's like, (laughs) <laughs> like I, I, there are plenty of opportunities where I believe a mass chief could be doing those things, where I believe a mass chief should be doing those things, because if we're talking about being the a division officer level function, an expert's better than a non-expert, uh, and, and warrants are experts. To be fair, they pull from the expert community, so like I could see expanding the warrant program, um, if it wasn't, I guess if it wasn't selection-based like it is now, if it was more like an advancement function, like um, you could go master chief or you could go warrant uh, from senior chief and you just like take an exam and like check the right box or something like that or, or some other kind of a process. But it's a little onerous to to become a warrant. I mean, it's really diff. Like if you've ever listened, looked at the officer programs instruction and particularly that application and then you have to do all these uh, interviews with people and all this other stuff, it, it's difficult. And... and you know, to be fair too, the warrant officer community is very like protective of who's like they decide who's selected. Warrants select warrants, right? It's it's self-selection and they're selecting who they want, not necessarily who's best for the job. Just saying. Um, I'm not there's no conspiracy there. I'm just messing around. But it, it's I just think it, it'd be cool if it was more of like a you could just advance to the position kind of like a normal advancement process where we kind of just considered the warrant process like a a a component of enlisted advancement instead of like an officer program if that makes sense um because they're not technically commissioned officers they're warrant officers it's different Um, but anyway it's enough for that tangent uh an idea before its time this was really interesting because it's not this isn't just me being a good idea fairies they actually try piloted a program where master chiefs were divos on a ship at sea. I thought it was really cool. I didn't know about it until I did the research. But for a time, chiefs were filling division officer roles in a pilot program on board the USS Decatur, DDG-73. And while the chiefs did well in the roles, the program was shuttered when a new regime relieved uh, the CNO and the MCPON. Uh, mick scott referred to this as recognition that our senior enlisted personnel are truly capable of taking on additional responsibilities in many instances they have been underutilized for a good period of time because it was now clear that cpos could run divisions the best qualified senior chief and mass chief petty officers could be commissioned as lieutenants and lieutenant commanders as required uh, to fill roles as ships department heads um, i don't know how i feel about that part but either way like i i believe that there should be a path and i believe that path should be less burdened by the administrative process of going through a selection board and the application and the interview appraisals and it's like hey nobody got time for that like come on we got zoom and stuff like let's just let's figure this out like let's get something where i can just do something online say i'd like to go the warrant route and then maybe the selection board interviews me via you know zoom or teams or whatever and that's it or i take an exam and whatever but it's like the process as it stands is pretty ridiculous and again if you've gone through it you know what i'm talking it's it's archaic it's it overburdened with administrative rigmarole it's just it's it's not conducive uh to getting these people getting the best people in the positions right And, and i don't i'm not saying you can be selective because a lot of people like to say that 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 process it exists the way that it does to make it purposefully difficult so that they don't get people applying that um aren't committed or like um aren't the right people or whatever it's like okay well just select based on criteria that you deem appropriate and there's going to be like quotas anyway so it's like you're not going to over select um quantity wise and you're not going to get the wrong applicants you'll get more applicants but then just filter them out or there's other mechanism you can build in so that you don't get overwhelmed with applicants um but anyway i just think the process sucks but i really thought this idea was cool whether they end up as o3s and o4s is, is a different conversation but the idea that they can fill a divo role especially on a small platform like very similar in size to a submarine like larger but not way larger uh, and functions very similarly um in in certain ways uh yeah i think it's very cool and it's cool that like this isn't just me being a good idea fairy this is like mick pond scott and other like the cno and all signed off on a pilot program to to test this out and it worked uh so i thought that was very cool and i think there should be an evolution in their roles right like i don't i don't like that that they're not utilized in the way that I believe they should be, I guess, which is a selfish motivation, I suppose. But um, I, I just think that they could be leveraged in in a in a more effective manner, like force wide, but particularly in the smaller communities. Um, Assignment wise, I was going to get into this, but you got the senior listed marketplace. Um, Nowadays, so they're they are trying. I wanted to note this because it's it's kind of like Enlick ELD, right? Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't say they weren't trying to do something to put senior enlisted in the best position possible, right? Like um, there, there's been a bunch of occasions where uh, master chiefs in the job I held uh, as I was retiring. Decided to stay in the Navy, but they didn't want to be CMCs and because the submarine community is so small and there's just not billets for in rate master chiefs, which is criminal to me. um, They would force them back to sea, right to fill a a LCPO role that I mean, on most submarines is filled by a first class or a chief, some senior chiefs like if I'm going to pay you to be a master chief, I want you to do master chief things, which is is one of the reasons I retired amongst many others, right? I was just like, I'm not like, I'm not going back to see a submarine again to do the same thing. Um, they offered me other jobs, but it just didn't make sense personally. And for a bunch of other reasons, health and all that stuff I've talked about before. But um, that was another thing. Like I'm doing master chief things as a master chief period. Um, and it, it goes back to that article that, uh, that I read like the quotes from at the beginning. It's like you get, you get dissatisfied and, and you eventually will get bitter and jaded when you're being treated like you're not that like you didn't earn your the two stars above your anchor and while i think you should be more than willing to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty and do all the like i'm not above anything but i worked really hard to get where i was as well and i want i I wanted to be in a in a position to influence the rate and to i want to develop training i want to influence policy i want to do all that stuff and granted I got personally. I got offered a role to do that, and decided that I didn't want to move to Hawaii. Um, I got offered uh, the possibility of another job uh, at the Senior List Academy teaching leadership, which is like my dream job, but it didn't make sense for a lot of other reasons. Um, and I just I didn't have the juice to continue in service. Period. But uh, a lot of guys, a lot of guys don't. A lot of people don't get offered um, roles like that. They get forced back to sea, and they're it's like it's wasted talent and experience and knowledge why are we paying them as a master chief it's just it's ridiculous it doesn't make any sense um so the senior listed marketplace is an encouraging signal that they understand that these things are happening that it doesn't make sense and they're trying to remedy it uh, i'm not going to go into the details on that uh just because you probably don't care uh unless you're one of these people people i'm talking about like senior chiefs or master chiefs. but i mean at that point you like you should just do your own research um uh, what their role should be. This is the this is the fun part. So, the actual role of a chief petty officer is hard to quantify. Uh, one of the most frustrating things about being a chief for over a decade was all of the unwritten rules, which I've I've hinted at or mentioned before. Um, cultural expectations and and to be honest, bullshit that's involved with being a chief, with navigating that um, ecosystem, if you will, or that hierarchy. Uh, and this is separate. Though a logical progression from a mission statement, who we are and what we do organizationally, uh, which I also think is largely lacking. uh, And without a foundational statement for what a chief does, uh, how does one arrive at a definition of the roles of a senior and master chief? Great question. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, I don't. (laughs) I think it needs to be done. I think the creed needs to be redefined. I think the mission, vision, guiding principles might need a slight update. I do think they're they're pretty solid. Um, But in the marvelous traditions of our naval service i will attempt to use my anecdotal experience uh hearsay tribal knowledge and unofficial correspondence to cobble together a pseudo analysis and call it good so with that being said <laughs> like i'm i'm consistently frustrated by the listless nature of enlisted assignments for my entire career largely all the way to the end uh, when i watch chiefs with zero relevant platform experience get assigned to uh, like an isIC for a squadron it'd be like me putting a carrier sailor as the ISIC at a if that I don't know if they do that. I know you guys have like, uh, what's it called? The uh, a float training group and all that kind of stuff that I think function as an ISIC. I don't really know. But you know, what I mean? like what I'm getting at is like putting people in positions that don't make any damn sense just because that's when their PRD was. Uh, it likely did harm to the support of those ships and crews and happened when there was a logical place to put them uh, and I'm I'm referencing a, a real life experience here. Like this, I was flipping out because it just didn't make any sense. <laughs> um, and uh, his expertise and experience were extremely relevant to the place we could have put him, but instead we put him somewhere else where it didn't make any sense. He didn't have any relevant expertise uh, or experience, and it likely took away from the assistance that he was charged with providing. That was primary duty uh, to the, those boats. Um, you know, it, it's ridiculous like we're throwing darts in the dark which I'm encouraged by the senior listed marketplace for that reason because hopefully it prevents things like this from happening you know I'll hold my breath um but yeah I mean it, it's we appear to be hopefully uh trying to remedy it but and then they got like advanced position all this up but the cynic in me assumes that they're doing this to satisfy some spreadsheet being green and not actually making uh making an effort to make us a more efficient and lethal organization uh it just it frustrates me that we're not more focused on that um because that's like our prime directive (laughs) <laughs> it's like our sole reason for existing. Uh, I think properly utilize uh, the senior listed roles could do a lot more uh, good. Navy wide. Admitting that we are not, in fact, the backbone of the Navy nor the pinnacle of technical expertise at the senior and Master Chief levels would be a great start, arguably applicable to CPOs as well. Uh, a high level of technical expertise combined with a similar level of experience and the network that is the mess could create a technical manager, planner, and advisor that I believe we are trying to accomplish with warrant officers modernly. Uh, I think senior and Master Chiefs can and should fill a scope of responsibility more in the realm of the CWO or DIVO than an LCPO. These roles don't need to replace those or even take. Take much from them outside of erroneous responsibilities. Uh there's roles there are, are roles to be pulled from. Um uh and added to department lcpo roles uh, that would make us a far more competent organization and make much better use uh, of chiefs put in those roles and then at the mass chief level we should be looking at them uh replacing certain cwo designators don't kill me brian don't kill me any other warrants that are listening <laughs> and divo roles but not all of them uh, as well as accepting that certain roles require that level of attention uh they should be intimately involved in all rate and community specific policy creation and revision guiding not just how uh, we do business but how we train for both initial session and follow on training there should be no role for an old retired guy like me as a a subject matter expert to be hired by a government contractor to develop training for active duty sailors in my source rating but there is and i signed an offer sheet uh for that job after retiring and then it fell through because the contract blew up because we weren't ready to award it on the Navy side, apparently, Um, that should be an active duty master chief. They're literally a stakeholder and the best person for the job. That should be a job they offered me while I was still on active duty, but they didn't. They're paying a civilian contractor to do it. And that blows my mind. And I'm not saying a contractor couldn't be involved somewhat, but the subject matter expert role that I was being hired for should be a master chief, period which you could argue it was if they hired me. But when they put that out, they were looking for somebody E6 and above. So they could have hired a first class that got out at like six years. That's not the person that should be doing that. And the Navy would have complete control over it if we didn't outsource it to a contractor. Anyway, um, I really... uh, And and to go back to that warrant thing real quick, like I mentioned earlier, you could either have mass chiefs replace some warrant designators or just make an off-ramp for a senior chief to become a warrant and make it less of a of, of a owner's process but you'd be you would thereby be like expanding the roles and billets for warrants either way i'm fine I like i don't i don't care how we do it but i think that you need to pick one and do that um because i don't think we're doing a good job of that and i don't think we're keeping the technical expertise and and again this this a lot of this is influenced by my personal experience in the submarine community uh i do think the rest of navy does it better i don't like i should probably do a lot more research on all of the ways that mass streets are utilized in other communities um but yeah i just i think we could do a better job but that's you know i'll leave that there cuz i cuz again there is some blind spots there where i just don't like i do think other communities do better but i also think that when we're our messaging is that you're the technical expert it's like i mean sort of but like at, at a 50,000 foot level my experience informs my expertise in a way that makes me being in that position more valuable than uh someone who doesn't have that depth and breadth of experience and yes my level of knowledge is high does it mean it's like as high as a chief who's in it every day not necessarily could be could be if you kept up on it but like if you're not that the, if you're not on deck plate doing it i would argue that the technical expertise because that's a very like you can have technical expertise and then level of knowledge totally different to me like you need they're linked for sure but they're very different areas. Like I can have an extremely high level of knowledge, which I, when I retired, I had an extremely high level of knowledge. Does that mean my tech? Does that mean I could go in the galley and outcook a senior second class? Yeah, I don't know. Technical expertise is that to me. Be, act, the actual application of combined with level of knowledge. Does that mean that that second class has a higher level of knowledge than me everywhere in the rate? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't think I've ever, I like, I've never ever met a first or second class that has a higher level of knowledge than I did when I was wearing khakis. That doesn't mean they couldn't cook me under the table. That doesn't mean they that I never met anybody that could sit down and do the records and administration better than me. That doesn't mean they know more about the program than me. It's different. Supervisory element, compliance, policy, it's different. And that's, that's where I, that's sticking point for me is that the people that have that extremely high level of knowledge large amount of experience those are the people that should be in those positions that's how, that's how i feel about it uh <laughs> so we talked about super chief uh the history of why they were created what they do now why uh and what they should be doing in my analysis which again i have blind spots i fully acknowledge that i don't have like a super detailed knowledge of what senior lifts would do in every single community in the entire navy because how could i um I could do the research and get like a a decent understanding, but you know, I, I, without being in those communities, it's very difficult to, uh, to get that. Right. And uh, so I talked to, you know, we talked about the value of them, why I feel the potential is untapped and how we could do a better job of utilizing them. And this analysis might be a bit car before the horse uh, in that the potential value may not be reachable given the current status of leadership development and education, which if you're a regular listener, you know exactly how I feel about that. But I think there's still plenty of unrecognized untapped potential value, uh, though room for growth. Um, I, like, I hope it's made accessible through mechanisms like the, the senior listed marketplace and other programs aimed at realigning where they are and what they're doing hopefully that works out uh, that way um, but yeah I'm just like I'm not you know you know me I'm I'm cautiously optimistic uh, now I'm gonna I'll just for entertainment value only I will uh, I will read the I gotta open it because I didn't plan this um, here we go I'll read that the draft revision of the Chief Peosius Creed and I would love feedback on this um, I got no conversation with somebody about it. They posed the question or idea or whatever of revising it. Uh, it wasn't well received, so I don't. Th- I don't imagine this will go anywhere. But also, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to let go of my passion for it being needed. Like it, it, revision is needed, whether it's mine or someone else's. I don't care. Um, I don't care if my input is completely ignored. Uh, it was when I was asked to do this, and I just thought it was a fun like a fun thought experiment, like a fun project to just, oh, all right, if, if you're asking me, this is what I think it should be. And shout out to my boy, Dan. Uh, this, a lot of this was his idea. If you go to the, it's a link on the website. It's also in our, the Blue Jacks manual, like the older ones and teaching of the Creed curriculum. Uh, Short Talk with Chief Petty Officers. I did a podcast on it as well. Um, so go check that out. It's part of the Initiation Chronicles or the Teaching of the Creed playlist. I think it's teaching the creed playlist, um, but either way, it might be in both. But it's a uh, incredible article from the early 1900s that was in the Blue Jackets manual, directed at chief petty officers, and it's kind of uh, it's the best duties and responsibilities description I've ever seen. Some of it's not relevant to today's Navy because it was written in the early 1900s, but a lot of it is. And we were doing a podcast. I think it was one of the teaching of the creed episodes. If I'm not mistaken, it was credibility of a chief. Because I thought it was funny and relevant that a first class be the one I'm talking to about the credibility of chiefs, because who better to judge? But when we were going through this article, Dan brought that up. He said at the at the end of the article, there's bullet points that summarize what they were getting at or what they were trying to get at in that article. Right. The main points of that article And he he said to me, he's like, why isn't this the cheese creed? He's like, this looks like a creed to me. This is who we are and what we do. A lot of the bullet point content in this is pulled directly from that. Um, So I want to give credit not only to Dan, but to that article um, for a lot of the content that I included in this fantasy world version of the Chief Petty Officer's Creed. So, all right, here we go. For over 130 years, Chief Petty Officers have been charged with the profound honor of leading sailors. We do this with an understanding of our mission to create combat-ready naval forces ready to answer the call at a moment's notice. In freely accepting these responsibilities, we must understand and implement every detail of the following charge. The first bullet point, ours is a position of honor and responsibility. We do our work from a sense of duty to the fact that our sailors are absolutely entitled to the best possible leader you have within you. This right is inherent and rooted irrevocably in the sailors' willingness to trust us. Second bullet point, we have a position in which you must have expert knowledge of every detail that applies to both our technical specialty in the naval profession and the institution it operates within. Third bullet point, our duties in educating and training sailors of lower rank and experience are even more important than our direct responsibilities in connection with the mission. Fourth bullet point, our conduct in this position of special trust and confidence must be entirely above reproach and our daily lives, such as to set an example, both from a personal, as well as from a professional perspective. Last bullet point. No matter our warfare specialty or community, we will always bear in mind the critical importance of good order and discipline, and our role not simply in enforcing it, but modeling it. We will comply strictly with the formalities of military life and require the same of our juniors. And then, Kind of the outro at the end. We rise from the ranks from those we lead. We are not superior in any way, excluding the responsibility we willingly accept. It is a privilege to bear the weight of these fouled anchors, and it shall only remain so as long as we maintain these standards. That's my version. And I think it's more to the point. But as always, I'm down for feedback criticism if you're pissed off how dare i uh again it was it was for fun um someone asked me to do it i'm not gonna tell you who and it was sent to some people in some positions that may be in that loop of or orbit or whatever uh some people that could propose it to like the ones that matter like the mcpon and the mcpons leadership mess but uh doesn't seem to be an appetite for it right now um if that change is cool if not you know, I, I, I'm not, <laughs> this one I'm not even cautiously optimistic about just because it's kind of like the reaction to rating modernization, right? Like try to change the chief season, like go back when they tried to, uh, what did they do? They changed. I think it was something to the, I think when we first came out with CPO 365, like phase one and phase two or something, there was some, something, some kind of alteration, or I think it was when Stevens sundowned the name initiation or something like that Uh, the you know the old crusty chiefs community component lost their shit um and i think that there's with that and particularly with raiding modernization where the entire enlisted navy lost their mind um it i don't think there's an appetite for that not that I if I got in a room with these people that I couldn't convince them that change is definitely needed if they don't already feel that way, it's more so the uh, the backlash that would be absolutely inevitable. Um, part of my proposal to like uh, solve that wound <laughs> uh, so is that the right word? I don't know um, is include because i've always my one of my critiques like little, the quips i say well i'm critiquing the current chief petty officer's is it sounds like a really good pinning script so make it a make it the, a pinning script template like when you revise this you just release whatever policy document an instruction or a nav admin or whatever um where when we release the new revision of the Chief Petty Officer's Creed, you release a script that is like this is the script template that you will just insert your information into and use. And it's that it's a lot of that anyway. I, st- I think some stuff needs to get removed, but um, there's a lot of stuff in there that would sound great at a pinning ceremony, but it's not who we are and what we do. It's not a clear communication of that. And I also think there's some stuff in that that runs contrary to what our values should be and what our values are as articulated by the mission vision guiding principles so um so yeah that's my (laughs) that's my stab at revising the chief petty officer's creed um open to feedback as always if you need anything from us hit us up don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com you can facebook message us uh don't give up the ship podcast you can dm us on instagram reddit or discord at Podcast. if you want to support us you can go to DGuspodcast.com. there's a donate button on the website or you can go to don't give up the ship apparel get yourself some naval pride and hair you're going to actually wear in public uh, and uh, it's digasapparel.com, and then there's stickers and all kinds of cool stuff. I actually got some new stickers. I can show you guys. Hang on. Let me grab them. I got some cool new stuff. Uh, I got the little ones too. Um, oh, these aren't on the website yet, but I got some for Doc. Uh, I got to mail him some of these, and then I got some for Trash Panda for Ariana. They're like these like holographic ones. I got some little ones. Um, There's a bunch of stuff that'll go up on the website soon. I'm doing a little bit of a reorg uh, with how I like ship and warehouse things and stuff. It's logistics, but... Um, so that i that's why I haven't updated any of this stuff yet, but it's its coming very soon. The shirts will be up first. Stickers, well, stickers, stickers will be up pretty quick too. Um, but there's some other stickers that I need to like bring back to me and I'm going to ship those myself now just because I have the coins too. And it's like the more I warehouse stuff, the more it costs. You guys don't care. Um, but anyway, those will all be up on the website soon. And then the best way to support us, go to uh, patreon.com slash podcast. Pick one of the five tiers, become a patron today. It helps a ton. Uh, pay the bills, expand the platform, all the, all the fun things things and then uh yeah if you can't do any of those things because times are tough inflation and all that i get it i totally get it uh you can just like share subscribe review us on all the platforms for all the things right like share the youtube videos subscribe on youtube uh share the podcast tag your friends you know whatever uh review us on like itunes you know like it, it all helps to for all the algorithms and elevating us in all the places so that it gets seen by the people that need it so uh that helps and we really appreciate anything you can do like, even if it's only just listening, like we appreciate you. Uh, so thank you so much. Um, and that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. Hey, big shout out to our level five patrons, William McIver and Victoria living good to all the other patrons and everyone that supports us. We couldn't do it without you. You're allowing us to expand the platform, pay all these bills and continue to push out just awesome content for you as much as is humanly possible. And we really, really appreciate you. Thank you so much.